how's it going? This is your host, April Hanna, and I guess the year of 2017 is a year to try new stuff for Path 11 Productions. We are trying to enhance our podcast and bring more shows to you with the Two Minute Tuesday and the Food for Thought Friday, along with our Monday interviews with authors and special guests. And another idea that we had was to create a virtual book club. So in my private practice, Hannah's Healing Wellness Studio, I do a book club sometimes quarterly. Um, for a while there, I was doing it once a month. We would take a book and we would read it together as a group. So this is all trial and error. I have no idea how a virtual book club would go, but there have been some books that I have done with people that I've absolutely loved. I really enjoyed the conversation. I really had no idea how to run a book club. I had two clients approach me about two years ago, and they wanted to come in and use their sessions to talk about and read the book A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. So I said, sure, you know, that's kind of a tough book to get through on your own. So why don't we do that? And I said, but hey, would you guys mind if maybe I just opened it up to the public to see if other people want to join? And that's how book clubs started in my private practice. So we've done about four or five in the past year and a half. And one that I absolutely loved was The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. So, and that is by Mark Manson, and it's a counterintuitive approach to living a good life. We had such great discussion during this book club. I think we held it for about four weeks. There's nine chapters, and what I was thinking I would do is break up each episode into a chapter, and since I can't hear you guys talk and you can't give me any direct feedback, I'm basically going to go over what I highlighted, what some of the group members, when I actually did this live in person with a group, some of their feedback and what they had to say, and maybe this will just kind of keep you honest and keep you trucking along to actually get through the book, read the book, hear some dialogue about it. Maybe there might be some things that I interpret that are a little bit different than what you're interpreting. And of course, please feel free to email me with any thoughts or feedback that you have. And if I get them in time, I will share them with the next chapter when I put that out. And my email is april at path11productions.com. So... Usually what people say when they first see this book is the title is what caught me. People love the fact that the word fuck is in it. Uh, It's a pretty powerful statement, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. And it brings sometimes just like a lot of power to be able to say that. I know a lot of people in my book club, that was one of the first things that they said. They said, God, it just felt so good to say it. And I love the title. And just the title alone is what brought me here. So In the first chapter, he breaks it up in a couple of different sections. There's the feedback loop from hell, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. So, Mark, what the fuck is the point of this book anyway? Now, in the beginning, he drops a ton of F-bombs, but really, as you start moving through the majority of the book, he tones it down just a little bit. So, for those of you who are not comfortable with the F-word, I apologize. Um, But the whole point of kind of using that is to grab the attention and to really give... I guess what he's trying to portray as kind of letting go of all of these fucks that we're giving or getting very choosy about the fucks that you give, um, it just gives it that that power and that umph that I think all of us are looking for when we want to just let go of something and be done with things. So he starts off the book talking about a guy, Charles, who was an alcoholic, a womanizer, a chronic gambler, a cheapskate, a deadbeat, and on his worst days, a poet. And one of the things that I love about the story about Charlie is that 
Mark talks about how this guy, even though he had so many failures and he was trying to get published and trying to do his writing, that he just accepted who he was. He accepted the fact that he was a loser, he knew it, and his success stemmed from it. Not because he was determined to be a great person or to be on top of the game, but just from the fact that he knew that he was a loser and he wrote from honesty. And I have to tell you that Mark Manson's approach in this book, it's its a little harsh, the tone's a little different, but actually when I got through the book, I'm like, he's saying a lot of the stuff that some of the other spiritual texts says. It's just not in a very gentle way. It's kind of more, I'm going to throw this in your face type way. So one of the things in the first chapter is really about how can you start loving all of the faults that you have about yourself and embrace them. Now, when I was first going through this first chapter, I am a big person of self-affirmations. I love and accept myself. Things are always working out for me. I love the work of Louise Hay. I you know, encourage my clients all the time to write down positive self-affirmations, to use them in a meditation. And when I read some of his feedback in the first chapter, I was like, oh my God, maybe I'm doing all this wrong. Because he says, when you stop and think about conventional life advice, and this is on page four, second paragraph down, he says, all the positive and happy self-help stuff we hear all the time is actually fixating on what you lack. It lasers in on what you perceive your personal shortcomings and failures to already be, and then emphasizes them for you. So I was like, that's interesting. Further down on page four, he says, ironically, this fixation on the positive, on what's better, what's superior, only serves to remind us over and over again of what we are not and what we lack, of what we should have been but failed to be. After all, no truly happy person feels the need to stand in front of a mirror and recite that she's happy. She just is. So, although, Mark, (laughs) I understand, and that does make a lot of sense, because if we are saying... Um, I love and accept myself. Does that really mean that I have a deep-rooted feeling of not loving and accepting myself? I think some of you can hear Leo the cat. <laughs> he is sorry, guys. He's just flipping out. It's a beautiful day. The birds are singing. He is an indoor cat because I live in an apartment, and he's meowing and just running around. So I apologize for that, but that's just what happens here when I record these podcasts. So anyway, kind of getting back to some of the self-affirmation teaching and having positive thoughts and then reading Mark's take on it about, you know, well, that's just reminding you maybe how ugly you are or how beautiful you're not feeling about yourself. It made me just kind of stop and try to figure out a way, how can I incorporate what he's saying plus still continue with the affirmations? Because I do find them to be very helpful. So moving on. He also says on page five that the world is constantly telling you that the path to a better life is more, 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 buy more, own more, make more, fuck more, be more. You're constantly bombarded with the messages to give a fuck about everything all the time. And then what I loved is that he says the key to a good life is not giving a fuck about more. It's giving a fuck about less, giving a fuck about only what is true and immediate and important. So he really tries to push home in this first chapter, take a look at what you are giving a fuck about and give less fucks, but whatever you're giving a fuck about, make sure that it's really important. (laughs) He also talks about the feedback loop from hell. And I remember one person in my group was laughing because she said, oh my God, I do this all the time. So an example that he gives on page six, he says, All right, let's say you have an anger problem. You get pissed off at the stupidest, most insane stuff, and you have no idea why. And the fact that you get pissed off so easily, 
starts to piss you off even more. And then in your petty rage, you realize that being angry all the time makes you a shallow and mean person, and you hate this. You hate it so much that you get angry at yourself. Now look at you. You're angry at yourself getting angry about being angry. <laughs> so he's talking about that being a f- the feedback loop from hell. He says, chances are you've engaged in it you know, a few times. Some people say, I'm anxious about being anxious. Um, and then, you know, you're beating up on yourself. And he says, but believe it or not, this is part of being a human being says, very few animals on earth have the ability to think cognate thoughts to begin with, but we humans have the luxury of being able to have thoughts about our own thoughts. And it's like, yeah, that's so true. We do have thoughts about our own thoughts. Now, one of the keys to stop this feedback loop from hell, he says, is by not giving a fuck that you feel bad about yourself. He says, that's where you short circuit the feedback loop from hell and you say to yourself, I feel like shit, but who gives a fuck? <laughs> So it's basically, in, I guess, nicer and gentler terms, be easy on yourself. It's okay if you're feeling that way. Try not to overemphasize and get into that loop. And then, again, kind of just calling yourself so many names, that inner critic that keeps coming out, and just accept it for who it is or for who you are. Now, on page nine, right in the middle of the page, he says, here's what's wrong with the how to be happy shit that's been shared 8 million times on Facebook in the past few years. He says, here's what nobody realizes about all of this. The desire for more positive experience is itself a negative experience. And paradoxically, the acceptance of one negative experience is itself a positive experience. So he said, let me try to explain it to you another way. Wanting positive experience is a negative experience. Accepting negative experience is a positive experience. It's what the philosopher Alan Watts used to refer as the backwards law, the idea that the more you pursue feeling better all the time, the less satisfied you become, and pursuing something only reinforces the fact that you lack it in the first place. So then, of course, I'm reading this, and now I go to the thoughts of law of attraction, but if I'm starting to focus on and accepting the negative experience, am I just going to bring more negative experiences to me? <laughs> so this is where I kind of get confused with all of this stuff. But... Moving on and moving forward in the book, he also talks about on page 10 that basically you don't want to try, which also reminds me of law of attraction. Like, you know, you have your intent, you have your desire, you put it out there and you let it go. And he, he brings up a good point, too. He says, do you ever notice that sometimes when you care less about something, you do better at it? Notice how it's often the person who is the least invested in the success of something that actually ends up achieving it. And that's so true. And I think what happens there, um, you know, if you guys have experienced this, really, I would call that surrender, where you finally get to a point if you're working so hard on something or you're feeling frustrated and the outcome isn't coming, usually we just kind of throw our hands up and say, fuck it. At this point, I really don't care what happens. I've done the best that I can. I'm putting it out there. And usually when we surrender, we release the resistance around it. So again, I like what he's saying here with this backwards law. I'm trying to put it into my own terms of how I've heard some of this stuff before and kind of take a little bit of the bluntness uh, off of how he delivers it. But I like that bluntness, too. It just gives me a different way to think about it. He also brings up a couple of good points about how, you know, if you're working really hard at the gym and your body's in good physical pain, you know, you could really feel that workout. That's what pays off all around. Um, If you fail at business, usually that's what helps you to build a better business. So he also talks about, you know, 
failing at things isn't a bad thing. It's actually, that's when things start to fall into place. That's when you start to learn, you start to grow, and you can make things better. And throughout this book, he also says that life is just one big problem that you are continually trying to solve. It's just a string of of problems and solutions and problems and solutions. And then I like when he talks about suffering, and this kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, Buddhism, On page 11, he says, the avoidance of suffering is a form of suffering. The avoidance of struggle is a struggle. The denial of failure is a failure. Hiding what is shameful is itself a form of shame. And he goes on to say that we can't avoid pain in our life. And to tear it out and to try to stop it from happening is just what makes it worse. He says, to try to avoid pain is to give too many fucks about the pain. In contrast, If you're not able to give a fuck about the pain, you become unstoppable. I also love his bluntness on page 13 where he says, look, this is how it works. Everybody's going to die one day, including you. And he says, you and everyone you know are going to be dead soon. And in the short amount of time between here and there, you have a limited amount of fucks to give. So what are you going to give a fuck about? And that really made our whole group stop and think like, yeah, like, why am I caring about this and this and this? Maybe I can let go of these 10 things that normally would get under my skin or would really bother me. And what are some of the more important fucks that I want to give? He also talks about that learning how to focus and prioritize your thoughts effectively, how to pick and choose what matters to you and what does not matter to you based on finely honed personal values. And he said, and it takes a lifetime of practice to do this. I mean, I think that this is something that we're constantly working out. A lot of times, I think we pick up a book like this and we're looking for the quick fix. We're thinking, okay, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, I'm going to read this book and then I'm not going to be giving two shits about anything. But this is just a stepping stone. I think that this is a gradual practice. You know, he's just planting the seed and then it's up to us to water it and then to figure out and to incorporate it in our everyday lives and to be reminded that, you know, maybe we shouldn't be caring so much about X, Y, and C. What's the bigger picture? If I am here for a limited amount of time, how many fucks do I want to give and what do I want to give a fuck about? And now moving into pages 14 and 15, he talks about the subtle art of not giving a fuck And subtlety one, not giving a fuck does not mean being indifferent. It means being comfortable with being different. And he goes on to talk about, and again, in his opinion, that people who are indifferent are either lame or scared. They act like that they don't care about what anybody thinks, but it's actually the contrary. And they really do care, but they're trying to act out in ways to make it look like that they don't. And this goes back to how he first started the book about Charlie. Charlie just really embraced all of his deficits, all of the negative features that he had. He just was who he was, wasn't trying to impress anyone. And wouldn't that be great? Not only do we just love what our strengths are, but we can love our faults as well. And that's what I take from this part of this book. He also says that there's no such thing as not giving a fuck. It's part of our our biology to always care about something. So as much as we try to throw this out the window and just say, okay, I'm not going to care anymore what other people think. I'm just going to do my thing. We're still going to have an element of that. But again, that goes back to being very choosy about what it is and the things that you're going to start caring about and what you're going to focus on and what you're going to give a fuck about. 
I also love what he says on page 17. You can't be an important and life-changing presence for some people without also being a joke and embarrassment to others. And I think about that a lot. You know, the more that I've been doing this podcasting and trying to share more of my personal life with you guys um, and let you in just on some of my personal thoughts, there's some fear in that. You know, it's like, well, what are people going to think? I know that that's a lot of my ego, but I also know and I've gotten some great feedback where people say, gosh, you know, you said something on that podcast or the way that you asked that question or, you know, your feedback about it was great. I never thought about it that way. And then I know that there's going to be some people out there that are going to say, oh, God, she's a joke, whatever. She's annoying. This book club thing is is crazy. There's going to be your critics out there, but that's okay. If I'm being authentic and being truly who I am, that's kind of where I'm at. It's like, take it or leave me. Take me or leave me. This is who I am. I'm a little crazy, a little kooky, <laughs> a little funny, a little serious at times, but this is who I am. And and this book really also helped me to try to drop more into that authenticity of who I am, which is some of the reasons why I wanted to do the Two Minute Tuesday and the Food for Thought Friday. Um, I love interviewing all of these authors and talking to people, but there's also an element of what I do in my other profession that I really wanted to be able to share with you guys. So I'm so happy to be doing this book club with you as well. Okay, moving on. And I guess I also ramble. Sorry. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the subtlety. Subtlety number two, to not give a fuck about adversity, you must first give a fuck about something more important than adversity. And what he's talking about here is really trying to find more meaning in your life. And if you're not going into the deeper aspects of what life means to you and taking a look at what you want to give a fuck about, then you are going to be over-focused on trivial things. You're going to, you know, talk about the the woman that used all of her coupons at the grocery store, or you're going to be annoyed by somebody's post on Facebook or something that somebody said in the office, and you're just going to stay very focused on superficial and trivial things. And he says... Uh, finding something important and meaningful in your life is perhaps the most productive use of your time and energy because if you don't find that meaningful something, your fucks will be given to meaningless and frivolous causes. And that's on the bottom of page 18. And then moving on to subtlety number three, whether you realize it or not, you are always choosing what to give a fuck about. And here he really goes on just to talk about maturity. You know, when we're younger, we care about so many things. If you think about what our lives were like when we were teenagers, I mean, forget about it. We cared about what people were wearing, who's dating who, who said what, who passed a note in class. Well, now they text each other, so I doubt there's any more note passing. But anyways, he also talks about that this is a way when we start to become more mature that we become a little bit pickier about what we are giving a fuck about. And we were talking about in my book club where it seems like the older people get the grumpier they get and they just don't, they don't care about anything. They're going to say what they want to say. They have their opinions. And I think that that does come with age, but we kind of turn into maybe these, these grumpy old people that are set in their old ways. But really I think with age, you kind of get to that point of not giving a fuck about too many things because you're looking at the bigger picture of life. And then on pages 20 and, and 21, our book club really got into social media because he says that he really believes that we're facing a psychological epidemic 
one in which people no longer realize it's okay for things to suck sometimes. And so we got on this kick about how so many people through Facebook, their lives could look awesome, right? They're, they're posting every holiday. They're showing you all the presents that are under the Christmas tree, what they got their kids for Easter, which by the way, when did Easter turn into Christmas? I mean, when I'm looking at some of these Facebook posts of friends that have kids and they're taking pictures of these Easter baskets, it's, it's crazy. I'm sorry if you're one of those those parents, but like back in the day, it was just candy. Now there's like all these presents and toys and it doesn't even fit in the Easter basket anymore. I'm like, gosh, this is like a second Christmas. But Facebook um, and social media, Snapchat, all of that stuff can really make it look like everybody's having such a grand old time. Look at how beautiful our family pictures are. When behind the scenes, people are arguing, they're talking about divorce. Maybe their children are totally driving them crazy. They're not doing well in school. Maybe their kids are on drugs. But the reality of what people are posting nowadays makes it look like everybody else in the world is happy. And then here you are sitting in your world thinking, well, what's wrong with me? And I think he's absolutely right about this, that people have zero tolerance for things to not work out and not be okay. And as this chapter is coming to a close on page 21, about in the middle of the page, he says, I see practical enlightenment as becoming comfortable with the idea that some suffering is always inevitable, that no matter what you do, life is compromised of failures, loss, regrets, and even death. Because once you become comfortable with all the shit that life throws at you, and it will throw a lot of shit, trust me, you become invincible in a sort of low-level spiritual way. After all, the only way to overcome pain is to first learn how to bear it. Couldn't agree more with you, Mark. I think that is a great, great point. And And I think the more that we can come into understanding that and being more comfortable with the fact that life is always moving There's no such thing as constant. I mean, nothing stays still. And if we can find a little more grace and live a little more consciously with that and accept that, I think we'll all feel a lot better. So I hope you guys enjoyed going through chapter one in the subtle art of not giving a fuck. And this is pretty much how the format will go. I'm just going to go over the things that I found interesting and highlighted and tell you some stories about the book club when we did this together. And again, if you have any feedback, go ahead and email me at april at path11productions.com and we will share some of your feedback with chapter one, bringing you into chapter two in the next episode. Thanks and have a great day signing off.